Good morning. We found a, a taker for the two sofas, but this lady is so humble that the way she put it, and it's a beautiful Christian attitude, she says, if somebody needs it more than I do, let them have it. Isn't that a sweet spirit? That's Eliana. Isn't that beautiful? So unless anybody else wants one or both of the sofas, she'd like them. So if you, if you, if you have a need and, and you can see me before the end of the meeting, otherwise we'll arrange for, for you folks to, to get the, the sofas. So that'll be a great thing. Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful song that our sister Taylor sang, When God Has Another Plan. And so many times in our lives, we, we have plans, we have desires, we have dreams and hopes and aspirations. And sometimes, Lord, you change them. And sometimes, it, and all the time, it's always the best for us when we just rely on you and trust in you and follow you, Lord. You will show us the way and all we have to do is walk in it. And we just pray that you'll help us to receive the word this morning into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Please open up every heart and mind to receive the truth. Lord, please hide me behind the cross. And we pray that you will speak to our hearts today. And we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, when you think about it as you grow up, and you go through your life, there's always people in your life that there's authorities and, and things in our lives. And we're always living by the terms of other people. You know, when you're growing up as a child in the household, you have to go by your parents' terms. You go by their rules. And then as you grow up and you go to school, guess what? Now you've got a teacher telling you what to do. And you have to go by the terms of the teacher, the classroom and the school. And then later on in life, when you get a job, sometimes this is a rude awakening for us, when you get a boss, sometimes it's a pleasant, easygoing, friendly boss, very understanding and kind. But more often than not, it's kind of a demanding boss, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a boss that's kind of uh, hard to get along with, hard to deal with. But God places these people in our lives and we have to live by their terms. And then we get married. And there's another change right there because we now have to live by the terms of another person. Before we were living all by ourselves, we were just happy as a lark. And now we have to share that with somebody else so we can be happier together as a couple, right? And then along come the kids and that changes everything even more. But you know, as Christians, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we begin to live by his terms. We believe in his principles, his word. We follow him. And our following is from the moment we get saved until the moment we go home to heaven, we are following the Lord. And so many times there's a difference between just being saved and going to church and really following the Lord in your everyday life. The Lord wants our lives to be affected by him so that people see him in us. So they don't see us, they'll see Jesus. And that's our goal and desire. The title of our message today is Following Jesus on His Terms. You know, it's one thing to follow Jesus on our terms, but it's quite another to follow Him on His terms. Big difference, and we're going to see that today. 
You know, in life, there are many people are leaders and many people are followers. But in Christianity, there is only one leader. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is our king. He is our savior. He is our master. He is our God. And we follow him. The word follower can be defined as a person or thing that follows. A person who follows another's beliefs or teachings. A disciple a servant or attendant. And when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's no turning back. There were people in the Bible that came to Jesus and they were volunteering to follow him, but they had to count the cost and really decide, are you willing to be all in to following the Lord all the way through every day, following on his terms? That's the question. Let's turn in our Bibles today to our main text, which is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. I think it's probably one of the most beautiful and challenging and encouraging passages on discipleship in all of the Gospel records. Luke, chapter 9, beginning at verse 57. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid my farewell to those who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. There's three qualities that are needed by anyone who wants to follow the Lord Jesus Christ on his terms. Three things that we all need. Number one, willingness is needed. Number two, obedience is needed. And number three, and this is hard for us, this was challenging me yesterday so much, leaving excuses behind is needed. Because when it comes to following the Lord, it is so easy to come up with excuses. And they sound so good. Excuses always sound good, don't they? they? They have a certain ring about them. But when you start really getting down to it, they're still excuses and they're not justified. So may the Lord encourage our hearts, challenge our hearts and help us to be those who follow Jesus on his terms, not on our own terms. You know, willingness is a very important thing to have. When you're willing to do something, you're making yourself available to do whatever the Lord wants you to do. And there's a willingness. And this first man that came to Jesus said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, isn't that a great statement? To me, that's the greatest statement right there. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But you know, the Lord can see right inside our hearts, can he? He can, he can hear every thought that we have. He knows them. He knows our ways. He knows us inside and out. And the Lord Jesus knew there was something about this, this man who was speaking that had to be challenged because his answer to this man of the way he gives it shows that the Lord is challenging him. This passage is also found in Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew 18, 19, Matthew 
it says, Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And you know, the Lord takes that very seriously. If you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to I want to follow you as my Lord, as my Savior. I want to do what you want me to do starting right now, Lord. He'll take that very seriously, but he'll also test you. He'll test you to see if you're serious or not. And I think that's what he's doing here with this man, because his answer to him really indicates that he says in verse 58, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, he's saying to this man, whether he's a young man or an older man, he's saying to him, here's the deal. If you really want to follow me like this, here's what you're signing up for. You're going to be following me and it's not going to be easy. And he says, I don't even have a place to stay. I don't even have my own home. And you know that Jesus never even had any money in Scripture. It's mentioned he had no money until the time when Peter was committed the Lord and him to pay the temple tax. And the Lord sent Peter to go out fishing and he went out fishing and the first fish that came out had a coin in its mouth. And Jesus said, take this coin and pay for your tax and my tax. That shows Jesus had no money. He was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. But he didn't have money. He didn't have even his own home. He didn't have his own possessions. He was here for us. He came down from heaven as God who owned the cattle on a thousand hills, who owned everything. He came down to our land here and became as a servant and went to the cross for us. And Jesus is saying there's a price to be paid if you do want to follow me all the way. If you do want to follow me on my terms, you have to follow me all the way, no matter what I ask you to do. No matter where I take you, follow me. And so when we sign up and say, and we sign our name on that dotted line, we're signing up for a life of commitment, a life of sacrifice, and a life of service. And we kind of, we give up our rights We say, Lord, I have no rights of my own. I am your servant. You do with me whatever you want. Whatever you give to me, I accept. Whatever you show me, I will do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. That's the kind of spirit he wants us to have. And he wants us to realize that there's a price in that. Because we can't live Christianity. We can't follow Christ on our own terms. So many people try to do it today. It doesn't work. It does not work at all. I love the story of Ruth because that story in the Old Testament is so famous and her words are so famous when she was living there in Moab and, and she met up with Naomi and Naomi was her mother-in-law and, and the, Naomi's husband died and then each one of those, those uh, brothers, they died, uh, sons of Naomi died and so it was left just between Naomi and And Ruth and then Naomi was ready to go back to the land. And she said, you know, go back, my children and go back to your people, go back to your land. And the other sister, she went off, sister-in-law. But then Naomi said, I want to follow. And these are the words that that she said to Naomi when Naomi tried to discourage her from going to the back to the land of Israel with her. She said this. But Ruth said. In Ruth 1.16 and 17. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you are, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my God and your 
and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now, if that, if there was ever a commitment, if there was ever a sacrifice to be made, Ruth made it, because look what she left behind. She left behind her parents, her friends, her culture, her way of life, her language, everything. And she says, I'm going to follow you, Naomi, because you're following God. And she found something in Naomi that attracted her and that she wanted it for her life. And when people see Jesus in us, they're going to want to get saved too. If we present Christ in the way he should be presented, they'll want to follow him too. And so she wanted to follow. And she was not going to accept any thing else but then to go with Naomi and she went back and God blessed her with a husband and with a son and with all these blessings because she said, I will follow. I will follow you. And she did. But commitment is involved and willingness is involved. And I like, I don't know who wrote this. It's an anonymous thing, but it's so true. There's a difference between just being a Christian or a believer on one side and being a follower on the other. And the person who wrote this says, to believe is cheap and costs nothing, but to follow Christ is costly. He asks us to first consider the great cost. Then he says, I believe in, in to believe is in Christ's work for me, but discipleship is the result of his work in me. And that's the difference between just being a believer and being a follower. He also said, believers produce no perfect fruit, But disciples are known by their fruit. He said, belief saves my soul, but discipleship glorifies Christ. Being just a believer is not, you're not necessarily known by others as a Christian. But when you're a disciple, you're known as a Christian. You're known among people. And then believers go to heaven. They're saved. Church people that are saved, they go to heaven. But those who walk with the Lord and follow him, are they, they're willing to, and they'll be rewarded for everything that they do. So that's the first thing that we do when we come to follow Christ on Him's terms. We have to have a willingness. We have to set aside our own plans, our own dreams, our own desires, and then accept whatever the Lord has for us. I love that song because, that Taylor sang today because it's so true. Joseph, when he signed up, he thought, well, we had these dreams and all these good things are going to happen. And look what happened to him. And our brother Hilton was sharing on the life of Joseph. And Joseph was one who followed the Lord all the way, despite all the things that happened to him and all the things that the world would say went wrong, all the catastrophes and all that. But he trusted the Lord. He was willing. He was willing to follow on the Lord's terms. Secondly, obedience is needed. The second man that comes to the Lord on the road says to him in verse 59, then he said to another, the Lord says to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. So it's not the fact that the Lord is, is minimizing the fact that the father may either be dead or be sick. But the matter of it is, this man was using that as an excuse. Some commentators believe that this man, probably his father had not yet died. Maybe he was sick, but he was not willing 
to go with the Lord at that point. And so the Lord challenged him and says, let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me. You know, people that are not saved are called, they're dead in their transgressions and sins. And so they have no way to understand what it means to be saved until someone shares it with them. And so Jesus is talking here about a life that's needed of following the Lord. And he knew this man was at a crossroads. He knew he was at a tipping point in his life and he needed to make a decision to follow him going forward. And that's what he asked him to do. The word follow me, the two words follow me is used so many times in the Gospels. When the Lord came to Peter and Andrew at the Sea of Galilee, he said, follow me. And they immediately left their boat and they left their nets and they followed the Lord. No turning back. And then he spoke to Matthew when he was sitting at the tax collecting station, collecting all the money and, of course, skimming the money for himself because the tax collectors did that. They would collect money from the Romans. Let's say it was $100 you needed to pay, Janie, $100, right? So the Romans want the 100 right? Well, your tax bill is 120 because 100 goes to Rome and 10 goes to me. And as later on, they probably said, well, your bill's 100 right? Your hundred, your, it's gone up. We have inflation. So now it's gone up to 140. 100 still goes to Rome, <clears throat> but 40 goes to the tax collector. So they got rich and the people in the, in the Jews, they hated the tax collector because they were collecting the money for the Romans. They were hated. And when Jesus called him and said, follow me, he immediately left the tax collecting station, the money and everything behind. And he followed Jesus, no turning back, never went back again to it. And then, sadly, there was the case of the rich young ruler. And remember the story, how he came to him. And when the Lord Jesus tells him, you know, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Oh, that rich young ruler, his face turned sad and he turned away and he walked away from Jesus and he would not follow him because the price was too high. But Jesus knew exactly what was keeping him from being saved was that with the riches that he had, it was hindering him. And whatever hindrances that a person has for accepting Christ, the Lord's going to remove those so that we can get saved and, and walk with him. Following the Lord is on his terms is the best life because you realize he's the one in control and whatever happens is for a reason and for a purpose. Last night I was at Kentucky Fried Chicken picking up some chicken for, for Sylvia. And I had gotten the groceries and everything. I was all happy and everything was going well. The Warriors won the game and everything, right? <clears throat> so I was listening to the post-game show and I think I really messed up because I had the radio on and I think the lights were probably going too because they're like these automatic lights. So then I get ready to go and push the button. Nothing, nothing. So I had to call AAA. Adel, poor Adel had to come over, take all our groceries that were going to go bad if we didn't put them in the refrigerator and all that. And so you think, why did this happen, Lord? Well, as they opened up, the, the man came, very nice gentleman, reminded me of Ray. He was, could be his twin brother. Came and he helped me out. And, and when he opened up the battery, it was all corroded. 
And I thought, wow, if we hadn't caught this right then, this could have done a lot of damage to the car. It could have happened somewhere out on the remote place. I was parked in a very safe place there. And they came and fixed it and got me started and everything. But when we walk with the Lord and follow him, we never know what he's going to bring into our life. We never know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we do trust him and we follow him on his term. And he will always bring out the right results for us. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father will honor. This is the equivalent of the verse that Adel loves so much. God honors those who honor him. And when we honor him and follow him and do his will, he will honor us and bless us and take care of all the details of our lives. It was interesting that recently our brother Walter tried to get into Bethesda and there was no way at all. It was full. There was nobody to get in. They couldn't get in. And then the Lord worked it out, opened things up and allowed him to get into Bethesda. And he's accepted it, too. He's he's accepted it. He's there. He's living there. Let's pray for Walter, Lorraine, pray for them. And the Lord knows. And the Lord can direct us and he can guide us when we put everything in his hands and say, Lord, you're in control. But this man, he says, let me first go and bury my father. Bill McDonald commenting on this was saying he was willing in a way, but there was something he wanted to do first. He wanted to go and bury his father. Notice what he said. Lord, let me first me first. It can never be Lord and me first. They don't go together. If we call Jesus Lord, we can't have me first. Me first cannot go before the Lord. It has to be Jesus first and everything else will follow. And so when it when it came down to it, he had to make that decision. Is he going to follow the Lord or not? There was a man named Mark Batterson who wrote in his book, All In, and he said this, most people in most churches think that following Jesus, that they are following Jesus, but I'm not so sure. They think they're following Jesus, but the reality is they've invited Jesus to follow them. Too many times I want Jesus to follow me, to serve my purposes, to do my will, but I want to follow you, Lord. Help me, God. I want you to revive my life, navigate my life into following your will. I love that because it's so true in life. So many times we want the Lord to come along with us like the disciples. When they went across the sea, Jesus was asleep in the in the ship. They said, Jesus, we got this. We're fine. Take your rest. You've been so busy lately. You're tired. Go to sleep. We've got this. We've got this. We're experienced fishermen. We can handle this. We're going to go right across the Sea of Galilee. We'll be there before you know it. By the time you wake up from your nice nap, everything will be fine. All of a sudden, a storm hit. And then they're crying out, Jesus, don't you care? We're perishing. Well, you you thought you could handle it before, right? They wanted Jesus to follow. They wanted Jesus to follow them. And then if he's needed... Yes, let's call him when he's needed. That Jesus does not work that way. He does not work that way. He doesn't follow us. He wants us to follow him. What they should have done is say, Lord, guide us safely to the other shore. Take control of this boat. We know we're fishermen. We know we know the sea, but you are the master of the sea. You are the God of the universe. You are the Messiah. You're the Christ. You take over. 
That's what they should have done. And so many times, we, like the disciples, want to follow the Lord on our terms. I just happen to have my checkbook here along this morning. So what we do is, we have the checkbook there, and we have it ready, and say, Jesus, all you need to do is, is sign the check. I'll fill out all the rest. The date, I'll put in the person it's going to go to and the amount. Jesus doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. He's not at our beck and call. You know, there's that story of the person that has the lamp, right? And you rub the lamp and it, and the genie comes out and grants you three wishes. And there's been so many different stories about that. Jesus doesn't work that way. And yet I think sometimes as Christians, we almost think Jesus is that way. I'm going to rub the lamp and I'm going to pray for the job. I'm going to rub the lamp and I'm going to pray for the wife or the husband. I'm going to rub the lamp. Jesus, all you have to do is give me what I want. It's good, Lord. It's, this is a good one. I, this is perfect. It looks good. Everything's right. Doesn't work that way. Jesus doesn't work that way. He wants us to follow him on his terms and do what he wants us to do. And then it'll turn out according to his will and it'll be right for us. When we start interfering and starting doing it on our own, it's going to end up in one big hot mess. And then like Jesus had to be woke up out of his sound sleep in the ship Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? We do the same thing. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, why did you do this to me? Why did I lose my job? Why did I do this? Why did this happen to me? Oh, woe is me. It's happening because we're trying to control it. We're wanting him to do what we want him to do instead of us doing what he wants us to do. And then finally, number three is leaving excuses behind as needed. You know, the third man... He had an excuse. It says, another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to those who are at my house. So that was his excuse. Oh, family's important, right? I have to take care of my family. I can't follow you right now, Lord. I have to think about my wife. I have to think about my kids. I got to I got to provide for them. I got to do all these things. Don't you think if you decide to follow Jesus on his terms, he's going to take care of your wife? He's going to take care of your kids. He's going to take care of your job. He's going to take care of everything. But so many people try to take on the burden themselves and do it themselves, and it doesn't work. How many times have Christians taken on long hours at work and they're so tired they can't serve the Lord because they've allowed something to hinder them from serving, hinder them from following. And what it comes down to is an excuse. I remember Jay Carroll years ago. Remember Jay Carroll? He said, uh, excuses are like armpits. Everybody has two and they stink. (laughs) I still remember. You remember that at the Grange Hall? He said it. And it's so true because excuses, you can dress them up, but they stink. Because if they are an excuse why we can't live for the Lord and serve the Lord and come to church, they're excuses. And we should do away with them. We should put them away. Because they will not work. Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Someone once said, you know, if you're trying to push a a plow forward and you're looking back, what's going to happen to your row is you're going to have an unstraight row. It's going to be crooked. You're going to have a crooked row. And that's what happens when we start looking back to what we want to do. Looking back, we're going to miss what God has for us forward. God always wants us to be looking forward and serving him by going forward, not looking back. The phrase fit for the kingdom of God does not mean you're going to lose your salvation. 
But what he's talking about here is you're going to lose the blessing of serving the greatest master if you let anything come between you and the Lord. And if there's anything today that is coming between you and the Lord and from following him on his terms, we need to get rid of it. We need to get rid of it. And the Lord will help us to get rid of it and to do his will. You know, excuses come in many sizes. They come in many shapes and they come in many colors. But nevertheless, none of them are good. And excuses are very easy to make, but they're very hard to break. Isn't that true? Excuses are easy to make. We can all make excuses, but it's harder to break them. They're like they get chains on us and then we start making excuses all the time. But the Lord wants us to be honest and sincere. A radio news service did a study about honesty in America and they talked about excuses. And I like that. There are three basic excuses when someone is guilty of some wrongdoing. Number one is outright denial. I didn't do it. Even though the person is guilty, caught in the act of it, they have a certain denial of it. They will not admit that they did it. We've all know people like that. The second excuse is, I did it, but it's not my fault. It's not my fault, and they look to blame someone else. It's the boss's fault. It's my co-worker's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's a kid's fault. It's somebody else's fault. And so usually when you're guilty, you find somebody else to blame. Well, that's why I like what Harry Truman, the president of the United States, did. He put a, 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 a plaque on his desk and it says, the buck stops here. And that's where it has to start. It has to stop with us. I can't blame somebody else. If I did wrong, I can't say it's his fault or it's her fault. No, it's my fault. I take the blame. Lord, please forgive me. I did it. I made that mistake. I got into this trouble. Please forgive me. And when we're honest, that's what happens. But when we make excuses, it never works out well. And the third excuse or the third type of excuse is I did it, but there were outside influences that affected me. It's because I grew up in a, in a certain household or my father was this way or my mother was this way or I never had the advantages of this or advantages of that. The Lord says all those are, are excuses that we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of those excuses because they don't hold water. They're not good for us at all. They're really lame excuses. And I like how Bill McDonald summarized the three men in this passage. This is what he said. He said, and so we have three cardinal hindrances to discipleship illustrated in the experiences of these three men. Number one, material comforts came between the man and following the Lord. Material comforts. The second one is a job or occupation came between following the Lord on the road. And the third one is family and friends. And if it was true then, it's true nowadays. These are the same things that hinder people from following the Lord on his terms today. Material comfort, job or occupation, and family or friends. They can hinder us, and God doesn't want us to be hindered. But sometimes you need a translator when it comes to excuses, and, and it's really good. Sometimes you have to listen to the words of the excuse, and then you need somebody to stand there and translate what it really means. So here it is. Number one, we can't. Translator says, we can't because we don't want to. 
That's the translation, right? That you say, I can't do it. I, I just, I don't have the ability to do it. I can't do it. And the real translation of it is, I really don't want to do it. I could do it, but I don't want to do it. Second person comes along and says, I can't afford the time involved. Okay, the translator now says, you can't afford the, trans- the time involved because you have other things you want to do instead. And isn't that true when it comes to following the Lord? There's always something that demands our time. And if we let that thing take precedence, it will, not, it will keep us from following the Lord. And another one is, I can't, when we say we are following Jesus in our own way. I, I follow Jesus in my own way. A lot of people say that, don't they? I, I worship God in my own way. I can go out in the nature and I can worship God and all that stuff. Translator comes along and says, it really means we're following him on our terms, not on his So any of these things, you have an interpreter that has to give the interpretation. And it comes down to uh, excuses and it comes down to not following the Lord. You know, when Peter was denying that he denied the Lord three times and the Lord met Peter and the disciples there on the shore of Galilee after the resurrection and Peter, he felt horrible about it. And Jesus dealt with him and he said to him three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he used the term love and then he used the word fond of and so forth. We know the story. After that, the Lord said to him, Peter, follow me. Well, Peter, instead of says, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm never going to do that again. And I'm going to follow you. I'll never deny you again. I'm going to go on for you and serve you. And and fortunately, he did. But the Lord had to deal with him. But he looked back and he says, but what about this man? And he was pointing at John, the Apostle John. And Jesus says, if I will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. That's another hindrance to discipleship. Another hindrance to following the Lord on his terms is comparing ourselves to others. Oh, I'm not doing too bad when I compare myself to him or I compare myself to her. But who should we be comparing ourselves? Jesus we should be comparing him to his standards, not to looking around. We can always find somebody that's worse off than us. We can always do that. Just like we can find somebody to blame, we can also find somebody that's worse off than us. And then when we look at them, we say, maybe I'm not doing so bad after all. But when we compare ourselves to the Lord, it is bad. And so he wants us to follow him on his terms, not on ours. That's why he said to Peter, you follow me. And I praise God that Peter did that. He was obedient to that. And he went on to preach the gospel. He went on to be a great elder and and servant of Christ. And he put all the excuses behind him. He put all the past behind him. And he went on to serve the Lord on his terms. And we can follow that example as well. So as we conclude the meeting today, we have to realize that serving the Lord can either be on our terms which is going to be bad, or it can be on his terms, which is going to be good. We can either serve the Lord and not let anything hinder us, or we can give in to the hindrances that are around us and let them overcome us. We can either come up with excuses, or we can say, Lord, I'm throwing out the excuses. They're not going to do me any good. May the Lord help us to follow with that same commitment 
that same dedication, that same sacrifice that Ruth had when she was convinced of what she was going to do. No one was going to change her mind. Not Naomi or anybody else was going to convince her not to follow the Lord God of Israel, not to follow Naomi back to Bethlehem. And that's where she went. And what did she get when she went back? The Lord blessed her tremendously because she went back on God's terms. The Lord provided her, as I said, the husband, the child, and all the blessings of Ruth. And her name is found in the genealogies of the Lord Jesus Christ. How was she ever blessed? She was so blessed by that. May the Lord help us to have that same commitment to follow the Lord, no turning back, and following on his terms. You know, sometimes our commitment to Jesus is like in terms of a sandwich. It's got two pieces of bread and only one meat in the middle. So sometimes our commitment to the Lord has the excuses and the hindrances and doesn't have the whole thing. He wants us to to be fully committed to him. The question is this morning, are you following Jesus and are you following him on his terms? Before we conclude the meeting I just want to mention how the Olympic Games have started now. Last week was the Super Bowl, and it was really exciting to me when I thought about it. Nick Foles, the quarterback, won the Super Bowl for the Eagles and everything. And he got up and he gave a testimony, and Zach Ertz, who was the tight end, did the same thing. But you know who gave the greatest testimony of all? Was the head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He gave the best testimony of all. He says, I give all the thanks to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It was great. And I found out, too, there was about 30 Christians on that team and they would have Bible study. And, you know, you can't root against that. I mean, you might be a Patriots fan. You might like Brady. And I know Bill likes Tom Brady and everything. But (laughs) I I like Tom Brady, too. But I'm telling you, when it came down to seeing that testimony that they had, it was so beautiful. So today... When you're going to watch the Olympics, right? I found there's five Christians that they mentioned that have a wonderful testimony. And I made some copies down here and it has their testimonies and it has their names. One is Elena Myers Taylor. She's in the women's bobsled. David Wise, freestyle skiing, half pike. Kelly Clark, snowboarding, half pike. Gigi Marvin, women's hockey. And Kate Yolander skeleton. So maybe they'll get a chance to win and be on there and give a testimony. Just saying, wouldn't it be great to see if that happens? But it's so fantastic, really, when you meet Christians in all walks of life, whether they're athletes or they're people at work or people you meet in the store or whatever it is, it just puts a smile on your face because you realize there's a person that's got something in common with me. We're saved by the same blood. We're saved by grace. We know the Lord. And it just is so, so encouraging. So may the Lord help us to follow him. No turning back. On his terms, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, today we thank you and praise you for our Lord Jesus Christ. He is your son and our savior and our Lord. And we want to follow him, no turning back, Lord. We want to follow him wherever he takes us. We want to follow on his terms. Lord, help us to not be hindered by obstacles or hindrances around us. Help us not to make excuses why we cannot follow. Help us not to expect our Savior to follow on our terms, but help us to follow on his terms. 
And so, Father, we pray that you'll take us home safely today and help us to rejoice and give thanks for all that you have done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.